Welcome to another edition of the Marvel Cinematic University podcast, the podcast where we go into all of the movies and review them in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we get closer and closer to Avengers Infinity War. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III. Today I'm joined by my cohorts, one Jake Christie. What is up, Jake? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Anthony? I'm doing really well. Not too bad. Can't complain. And also my other partner, Jerome Chang. What's good in your neighborhood, Jerome? Um, there's a Spider-Man joke in here that I'm not confident in executing, so I'm just going to say I'm great. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. Good to hear from you both. And today we're, we'll be discussing Captain America, the first Avenger, released July 22nd, 2011, directed by Joe Johnston. There's a lot of... <sighs> This is a really by-the-numbers movie. Mm-hmm. It's not very complicated. Nope. So I guess before, as a nice little kicker off, before we get into the movie itself, what what was both of your guys' first memory of Captain America as a kid in terms of when were you first introduced to the character? Jake, you go first. Um, I mean, I, always, I don't have a specific reference point just because I wasn't really a comic book kid. I think I just always was familiar with him as just being like a superhero like i remember seeing old comics in like i don't even know what like of him like punching hitler i always thought that was fun it was it, the, the the contrast the, the thing that always stood out to me about him in my mind and i feel like this probably isn't true across the board but it always felt like whereas superheroes other superheroes were fighting super villains captain america was famous for like fighting the wars that we know right right and and how about you jerome um yeah similar to jake i don't have very specific memories i think i just remember him more as like the symbol because i remember growing up i'd watch say like the x-men cartoons spider-man and maybe captain america would make a cameo but i don't even think that was the case but like i would remember the shield like i'd remember that as a symbol and him existing in the universe but mm-hmm. i just remember also there wasn't like a lot of focus on him back in those days that, those right. were the canadian edits those were canadian edits drum yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was actually a very politically driven um, <laughs> statement right now. No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and for me, I'll say that I was first introduced to Captain America as a kid. My mom gave me the big red Marvel book that had a bunch of different stories, Wolverine stories, Spider-Man stories, all the stuff from like the 60s. And uh, Captain, America, Captain America's origin story was laid out um, for me there. So that's where... As a kid, I, I had, you know, read up on him and started to understand him. Now, did I really care for him? I was more into Wolverine and Spider-Man and those type of guys. But I knew of Captain America, so I had an idea of uh, who he was and the symbol and what he represented as a hero. So now coming to coming into this movie, Chris Evans, obviously uh, casted to be Steve Rogers. I'm sure both of you remember uh, Chris Evans' uh, stint as the Human Torch in mm-hmm. uh, Fantastic Four movies. So this was a huge topic before the film, uh, before he actually took the part, because he was not sure whether he wanted to take the part. So it was interesting, and I kind of had the same reaction initially before this movie came out. I felt, wait a minute, this dude was just the Human Torch, and the Human Torch was really like a a very fun-loving type of character, and we're going to Captain America, Steve Rogers, a.k.a. the straight man, in, in the sense that 
you know, he's just his character is very polished. He's uh, he's as good as good can be without, you know, a lot of the times with other superheroes, you know, there's a little bit more complexity to the character. Steve Rogers is more of is basically, you know, as I alluded to, the straight man. So in terms of performance, let's get into that as the first part of the film in terms of performance what did you think of chris evans in his uh debut as steve rogers uh i think that he does play this straight man like i guess the thing that he plays well in most of this movie i think there are times like there's a specific scene where i don't think it i don't believe it so much but there's the earnestness that he has to him of uh which which makes him the straight man in the marvel cinematic universe because obviously the mcu is so has so many characters who are funny and ironic Whereas, well, Captain America makes some jokes, but he really is just a, he sincerely just wants to be the good guy, to fight bullies, as he says, and I think that that's something that, what what this, you're talking about how you thought it might not work, because he just played the Human Torch, what this performance showed, and performances he's had after it, in my opinion, showed, is that the earnest Steve Rogers is a lot closer to the actual Chris Evans than, like, the Playboy, Motocross, Human Torch. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Jerome? Uh, yeah, no, honestly, I think that's probably the most lasting part of the film for me is that uh, Chris Evans nails it as Captain America. Like, it's kind of a consistent thing in the Marvel Universe that they get their casting right, and I think this was another case. Um, but, yeah, going into it, I mean... I knew Chris Evans as Human Torch. I knew him as his character in Scott Pilgrim, not another teen movie. Like it was always an element of snark and smugness to him that you did wonder, even if like you were not necessarily questioning his acting ability, like whether that would just linger and you couldn't see him as anything but like the sarcastic guy. But like the earnestness that uh, Jake mentions, it's all there, and he really just captures like the whole boy scout side of it like almost to the point of being boring which is part of i guess what he has to be as a symbol like right i think he does a great job of it though i appreciate the fact that he's he he plays the earnest and obviously naive person and as we continue to see the depth of his character kind of grow throughout these films this is a great start to that so since we're on characters here what was your favorite non-superhero character in the movie? Uh, Jerome, you go first. Um, I had like a couple in mind, uh, but uh, I think tough choice. I don't know if it's an odd choice. Is uh, Tommy Lee Jones as Colonel Chester Phillips? Um, it's probably more Tommy Lee than it is the character, but I am always here for curmudgeonly. Tommy Lee Jones kind of dismissing everything and then sarcastically throwing things uh, later on, like, I'm not going to kiss you, things like that. Uh, <laughs> honorable mentions. Um, Haley Atwell is Peggy Carter. She just brings all the grace to the role, and uh, it makes sense why she would get her own show after the fact as Agent Carter, because she does stand out that way. And uh, this one's a little bit of a conflict, because I don't know how I feel about like the excessive like German accent of it, but Stanley Tucci as Dr. Abraham Erkstein, I think he's necessary to bring the heart to that film and kind of validate Captain America. But yeah, sometimes like when he goes into his like extended monologues, I'm not sure how much <laughs> I enjoy it. Right, right. Go ahead, Jake. Uh, my choice was going to be uh, Peggy Carter. Um, I think she's just so charming and like is on the same level as uh, Captain America. And because obviously it's no secret that in a lot of action movies, 
uh, the female lead is not necessarily as capable as the male lead, but you never get the impression that she is not, that she doesn't belong where she is, um, and yeah, she and Chris Evans just have great chemistry, and you almost feel bad mm -hmm. that he has to fall asleep for 80, like, for 70 years, because, like, you do right. end up wanting them to have that dance, because, like, they just, they work, like, it, it's the rapport, um, they're the it, most convincing so far. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I, yeah, yeah, they're they're really great together. Um, and uh, yeah, I also did enjoy uh, Erskine's Erskine. Er er uh, I don't for some reason I don't remember where the yeah, K and the S are in relation to each other. But yeah, the the accent was betrothing. But I mean, I do love Stanley Tucci, and he also does. Um, he is necessary in the way, like in his part, because you need someone to believe in uh because well, basically like one of the main ideas that the film tries to say is that steve rogers isn't dumb for being this naive and idealistic and i think the reason we start to believe in him is because stanley tucci's character believes in him um and although like like the accent spotty but i do like he's definitely brings a very warm performance to like you it, it he is the perfect foil for Tommy Lee Jones in it, um, mm -hmm. and, and Tommy Lee Jones is of course just like he's putting up like, you know, like when a basketball player is in his like seventeenth year and he's like putting up just like you know a quiet twenty point game, like he's just mess around, get a triple double. <laughs> yeah, like Tommy Lee Jones is always great. So yeah, he yeah I, they're all great characters, but Peggy Carter for me. That's fair. For and and for me, I would agree. Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter was tremendous. Strength, the confidence, the bravery in the film. Uh, all of that, all of that was just great, and the chemistry, as what you alluded to, Jake was was tremendous, and and it, it, it felt, it, it, yeah, it felt really genuine. And I think honorable honorable mention, uh, Colonel Chester Phillips, played by Tommy Lee Jones, I thought brought credibility to the film, because I think, you know, as I said stated earlier, Chris Evans as uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America. I, there were cool, there were legit questions about whether that type of movie would fly, considering we remembered him as the Human Torch. And I thought Tommy Lee Jones, just his stature, his ability to just elude that uh, that that general's mentality, and all of the, all of those things combined, made it very very legit. Made the film legit to me. So both of those you can go with now. Let's play a little, little different. Let's just throw a little curveball, since obviously this podcast through every movie until we get to Infinity War, and one of the biggest parts of the Infinity War is we get to see the first, uh, well, not the stone itself, but the Tesseract, uh, as uh, Red Skull is using the Tesseract to make uh, Hydra weapons, real powerful Hydra weapons, and. What stone is it again that that, that this uh, tesseract has? What what is what is the tesseract holding? What stone is this? Anthony, we, we all know that we it. all know that if you don't know it, none of us know it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I'm wait, the wait, you guys don't, you I have guys like don't no know? knowledge. Uh, I forget. Is it the mind stone? No, it's actually the space stone. The space stone. Um, if you if you guys remember towards the end where Captain America and Red Skull are fighting, and uh -huh. then towards the end when the uh, Tesseract is uh, released, oh, yeah, right. and seemingly 
skull is banished as a wormhole opens up into space and the tesseract obviously falls through the ship into the ocean yes that is the <laughs> space stone of course i know <laughs> come on guys obviously <laughs> of course uh, yeah so that's so it, it's pretty cool to see and of course this is something that i didn't know at the time when i was watching the film that this is what we were headed towards but since we are headed towards infinity war there are six infinity stones and we are introduced to the space stone in this uh, captain america film so now going to another another topic here what since we were talking about characters and jerome had alluded to a line jerome what would you say was your favorite line of the film okay um i have two uh the first one um when uh captain america rescues uh bucky and Bucky's like still in a daze and trying to figure out what exactly happened to his uh, boy who apparently hit the gym pretty big. Uh, <laughs> he goes and simply asks, what happened to you? And he goes, I joined the army. Which um, I feel in a lot of ways in the film, it they try to go for some comedy. But I think because of the film that it is, they're OK to be a little campy with it. And sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't. For whatever reason, this one was kind of just funny to me. Like, I chuckled in it, and I guess that's why it stuck out. Mm -hmm. um, another one... Uh, Fondue's just cheese and bread, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it plays well to Captain America's naivety. And uh, honestly, if I could find any quote that includes the word fondue in it, I'm pretty much going to pick that. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Jake. Um, so I have two. One, uh, Jerome alludes earlier, just because... It's just, it's just so, it's just fun and campy. Just the after Peggy kisses uh, Steve and says, "Go get him," and then uh, <laughs> Colonel Phillips says, "Just because Tommy Lee Jones just delivered is just <laughs> so perfect." And then another one, which is my honorable mention. Um, I just need to pull it up. That uh, it's even though as I'll get to when we talk about our problems with the movie, uh, I don't really love the his accent, but. When Red Skull says, Arrogance may not be a uniquely American trait, but I must say you do it better than anyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so for me, I actually had two as well. Um, my honorable mention, I'll mention that one first. Captain America and Red Skull are, are, are fighting, and Steve Rogers goes, I can do this all day, which turns into a... Well, which he says earlier in the film as a as he's basically a, a runt getting beaten up in uh, mm -hmm. in New York. But he says, I can do this all day to the Red Skull. And Red Skull says, oh, of course you can, of course. But unfortunately, I am on a tight schedule. So <laughs> that, was my, uh, that was my honorable mention one. And I think my favorite for sure has to be at the very end of the movie. Cap has just woken up 70 years later and he's in a place that he no, he's so he's confused. He, you know, he hears the radio of a baseball game that he already had experienced. So obviously he breaks through everything, and you know he gets out to the street and he's running and he's and he's looking around confused. Nick Fury shows up, he stops him, and uh, the last line of the movie, which was really frank, uh, Nick Fury goes to him. You gonna be okay? And Steve Rogers says, Yeah, yeah, I just. And that's how the movie ends. And I think that was legitimately heartbreaking. Actually, yeah. yes, absolutely. That, yeah, I, I felt, I felt. You could see the look on his face. You could see the anguish on, uh, on Steve Rogers' face. And I think Chris Evans did a tremendous job in portraying that, um, knowing that he was not at the time not going to see Peggy Carter again. 
uh, you know, really broke him down. And all that that type of emotional resonance is something that I always look at, even in hero movies and even in stuff that you want to see stuff blow up and whatever. Mm-hmm. The depth to to certain things, I really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed that because it was a nice push off point for Steve Rogers having to go forward now uh, it, with a life that, you know, he he doesn't know anybody. And I think we don't even look at the gravity of that st- of that aspect of the story towards the end as we realize that he's now everybody he knows is gone for for lack of a better term. So mm-hmm. um, so and, so. Th- yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's. T- uh, I had this in my notes too, and I forgot to read it. That it's technically not a line, but if it were a line, my favorite line in the movie would be when after Steve comes out of like the machine to get Buff and Swall, the uh, Peggy Carter like reaching for his chest and then pulling it back is. Uh, oh. That's just it's so it's 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 just I don't know it makes me I this is my third time seeing the movie and it just every time it makes me smile. So uh, in terms of physical, con- like physical acting, it's yeah, like it's almost better than a line. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's a that's actually a pretty good point, because that was obviously that moment when Steve Rogers literally comes becomes Captain America. Um, it, it's a great moment uh, visually for for everybody who's watching and who's a huge fan. So let's let's make a quick pit stop at uh, Stan Lee's. Uh, cameo was it intrusive would you say what would be the number that you would put on it i don't think it's very heavy i would say it's about a one because i all it is is him him as a general saying that he thought steve rogers would be taller jake you want to go take this one uh, I first i would just say like i would say it i wouldn't say a one just because he actually says words but i would say like a uh probably a, a two just because like it's it's uh it's not in the middle of anything important so, um, yeah, like it, it, it only would be intrusive if it was in, during an important scene, but it kind of is just like a throwaway scene just to show how he's like, he's not interested in accolades. Um, I think I would make it a bit higher, maybe like a six or seven, just because it is a throwaway scene. Like it's that's a scene true. that feels like it needed to be created. So mm. Stanley could show up. Oh, I didn't consider that. I didn't get that. That might be right. You might be right. Cause now I think about it, I don't know why that scene's in the movie. Like, it doesn't yeah. need to exist at all. And then it's like, so when you, when you see it happen, you're like, what's going on? And then it shows Stanley, you're like, oh, there he is. And then, like, we cut back. But it's almost like is there, there's no reason for it. So I, I actually treat it as more intrusive. Um, oh, that wow. That's, yeah. yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So since we're since we're done with that. What did you guys have any particular issues uh, with the movie in terms of whether it be errors or even just logistical things? What yeah, I, any issues? I, that... I got some. Yeah, Jake. I got some stuff. It's all related to accents. Um, first and foremost, <laughs> I, I and it's well. First, I'm just gonna say my biggest pet peeve in any movies, and it's I obviously don't expect like I've given up expecting it not to be this way, but nothing angers me more in movies than when two characters who native language is in english speak english to each other in the like an accent like there is no reason why dr zola and schmidt should be speaking english in german accents to each other right right like no one like the youngest people who this movie's for are like eight and eight-year-olds can read put subtitles either that or make it that like the like what i thought for example was 
what if instead of being Dr. Zola, what if the doctor was like a Japanese and they don't <laughs> speak each other's languages, so they have to be speaking English because right. that's the one language they both speak. Like, I, it just, it's, it, it feels so silly. Like, it, it, especially because they have them speak in German accents. So, like, you're constantly reminded of, right. oh, these people aren't, don't, they don't speak English. Um, also, speak another accent thing. I don't know what the hell Dominic Cooper was going for. Because in one scene, he feels like he goes <laughs> back and forth between Southern and New York. And I feel like, Very I honestly feel like he was getting different messages. Because, like, as far as I can tell, it seems like his character is pretty heavily based on Howard Hughes, just based on his mustache, demeanor, and everything. Which right, would explain right. why he's putting on a Southern accent, because Howard Hughes, Howard Hughes is from Houston. But then in some scenes, he puts on a New York accent, almost like... It feels almost like the equivalent of an American, like, doing a bunch of different British accents because they don't really know them for sure. Like, right. I know Dominic Cooper is a good actor, and I think he's figured he's out the British American actor, accent. Yeah. yeah, I think he's figured out the American accent by now. But literally, there are mo- there are scenes where it feels like from moment to moment he's going back and forth between Southern and New York, and I just it was just frustrating because. Uh, it's it's frustrating because I don't mind when they cast British actors to play Americans and vice versa, but they better be they better not take me out of take me out of the movie because I'm always being acutely aware of like where <laughs> actors are from and stuff like that. Like I'm always I'm always on the lookout, and, and don't get me wrong, it wasn't like Sam Worthington and Avatar bad, but you know it took me out of it. <laughs> what about you, Jerome? Um, since you mentioned Dominic Cooper, I do have some stuff about him, but following up from you. Uh, I hadn't thought about it until you started talking about his accent, um, British actors using American accents. Uh, in case I forget when we get to it, I can't wait for Doctor Strange to talk about that Ooh. when we get there. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, that said, Dominic Cooper, um, in terms of choosing that actor, I can see how Dominic Cooper might be an alternate universe uh, Tony Stark or like could grow up to look something Tony Stark-like. But I don't feel convinced that in any way he will grow up to look like Roger Sterling. Yeah. So just that connection, I just don't see there. Um, mm. As for other things, uh, I know the technology of things is very interesting in incorporating all this space age technology into like like World War Two era stuff. But it always feels like such a contrast when you see like a gigantic beam of light that is destroying everything, and then everything's controlled by like old-timey knobs and levers like i just don't see how that connects together um also if you have that technology at no point should you ever be using bullets again so the fact that like the army uses sometimes bullets sometimes flamethrowers and sometimes this thing that could vaporize a person right like no wonder you lost the war at that point is something that bothers me um what else uh i still haven't exactly formed the full idea of what kind of irks me about this but this happens in world war ii and it's it is captain america versus hitler but not really because hitler's not very present he's just kind of mentioned here and there yeah and it definitely gets to a point where it's supposed to be the established thought that like the red skull and hydra separate in their own way from the german army which is fine by me but like the movie does end that like we win the war because we defeat the red skull but to me, I'm like, isn't that a separate war altogether at this point? Or right. I don't know what's going on there. And yeah, I don't even know what to make 
uh, out of it, but it's just a nitpicky thing, I guess. It, it feels um, like a cop-out, yeah. to be honest with you. It feels like yes. they didn't want to make the Captain America Kills Hitler movie for multiple reasons. I suspect because yeah. it was so soon after Inglorious Bastards that probably didn't help. Um, and also because yeah. they wanted to be lighter. It's and darker it's, material for and, Marvel Yeah, Universe it's too. definitely uh, hard to, um, like, especially to, like, it, I think it's notable in uh, Dr. Erskine's backstory that, like, he, rather than, like, his backstory is that he was banished because, like, he left because he was being forced to, like, make a super serum, which is, like, I don't feel like that's why a Jewish German doctor would be banished. Like, it's, like, it's... it's <laughs> right, the, exactly. It's, it's... It, the material is super dark, and I, th- I understand why they went away from it, but, like, I also think that there is, like, I also think that they could have done it like i i guess now like looking back on it because the mcu has been able has been able to do so many like complex things i have more confidence that mm-hmm. i i, I kind of get now why they like at the time i get why they didn't but it does feel a little <laughs> silly that it's like oh it's Captain america fighting world war ii except he's really not he's fighting in 1940s yeah. against yeah, a cult it's it's like this whole thing where it's like yeah, you're fighting World War II, but, like, we'll mention Hitler, but we won't talk about, like, the Holocaust happening at the same time, mm-hmm. technically, in this period, and just, I don't know, it's, I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> well, I think what's, I think what overall is interesting, if you want to, like, look at the grand scope, big picture of what this movie was, mm-hmm. ultimately, uh, what a lot of people had an issue with was the idea, and I think a lot of people were just looking forward to Avengers, and they wanted to see anything that had to do with what was going to happen the following year with Avengers. Is there going to be any scenes here that would uh, lead you to have, you know, just any little morsel, any little taste that you could get before Avengers? And this film ultimately was a plot device to just move us along till we get to the Avengers. So, therefore, it's like you. It, sometimes you wonder whether they mean to make a movie in a certain way and not uh, essentially be as complete with the detailing or as as people who like really care about this stuff would uh, like to see and ultimately that ends up being uh, more than anything else i would say my lying theme slash issue with the movie i mean we could get into a couple of plot holes here obviously when the when uh, the super soldier process uh, causes Steve Rogers to grow several inches taller, but then you see that his pants remain the proper size and length for his new enhanced body. Hulk pants right there. That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> this is the 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 stretchy the stretchy uh, Hulk pants. So mm-hmm. there is another small one continuity that I didn't notice until before I watched this film. I uh, went on IMDb just to see if there were any goofs that I would notice, and there were there was uh, one after. Uh, Schmidt reveals his true face at, at, in the Hydra base to Captain America. The two begin their first fight scene. It's here that Red Skull displays his super strength and punches Captain America's steel shield, leaving a fist impression in the metal. The two keep fighting, but the fist impression is no longer on the shield. Later at HQ, when Stark pats the shield and remarks how Rogers is attached to it, the punch impression is there again. So it's just little, little stuff like that, mm-hmm. little, little timing issues there. But... I feel like in terms of just like mistakes, you can get into some of the World War II stuff, um, you know, verifications of dates if you really want to make a small quibble about uh, those types of things. But overall, just from a just from a fil- just from a film standpoint, uh, so when you when you make a film 
and it's being primarily used as a plot device to get you to the next thing, it's kind of hard to really judge the movie and really call it a really good movie. It's just mm-hmm. meant to get you to the. Uh, it's like it's a placeholder to get you to the next place. Yeah. So and and I a think couple that- of. Yeah, I was just going to say that in that vein, I think that it's a very uh, – because I really do enjoy this movie a lot um, because, I mean, it it it, it does it – is, it, is, it is worth mentioning that I do love formulaic by the numbers action movies. But uh, mm-hmm. I think that it it's like um, – it's like when you hear your favorite music band play, like, their classic song – but like you hear them like play it live, and it's like they do they hit every note perfectly. Like they, there are some missteps, but for the most part, they um if even if this wasn't part of the MCU, it still would be like I could see myself going to the theater and being like, you know what, that's a well made action movie. I'm glad I saw that, and I feel like right. it, we we take it for granted because the MCU makes almost every movie well, but like yeah, so yeah. many action movies are terrible, and like the right. fact that they did this one successfully. When I think it's pretty clear that this is the most obviously just setting up the rest of the MCU, um, I don't know. I appreciate it. It it it, uh, it it could have been an afterthought, but I feel like you know I feel like the people who made it personally, you know, I feel like they took it yeah. as more, and so I liked it for that. Anyway, um, sorry, continue. Jumping on Jake's point there, I think that's the thing that the Marvel universe does successfully, or like figured out where it was. Yes, they're always. Uh, it's always in mind that they're trying to set up the larger universe, but they realize in these individual movies, you can make genre films. Like when it comes to Thor, you make like this, like very fantastical film, almost Shakespearean with here, you have a period piece. Like you can make a period piece and have its own, have it exist as, as its own film, like this kind of like fun action film that exists in history, but also have it exist in your larger universe. And I think because you try to marry those two together, that's how you can also bring the generic fan in because they don't necessarily need to know who Captain America is to appreciate this new hero or new character that's brought up in this film. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think all of that's fair. And I think when you can talk about the emotional uh, aspects of all of these movies and the fact that they were able to give us introductions to all these characters and mm-hmm. la- and layer them in a way where, okay, so we have these guys established. We know who they are. We know who they're. Mo- we know how how they uh, see themselves and what their motivations are. And it makes it that much more interesting to see them going forward. And, and to both of your guys' points, I think that's a great way of what the MCU has done in terms of taking the time to introduce these characters and give them backstories and give them layers and give them depth something that uh clearly like uh dc had really had a hard time uh trying to do no shade which is which is Uh. it's funny because the one time where they did it successfully is in their period piece so right right. exactly yes yes yeah Um, but i mean i think that that's uh, more just because they you know gave the director mm-hmm. some autonomy, which is also something that obviously like Marvel does like can pull the strings with the story and stuff like that, but it does feel like they just get like, oh, let's get a capable director to make a good movie. Yeah. Um one point before you move on to uh, our next topic, like uh we whenever we go into this section about talking about our like nitpicking or whatever we have an issue with, it's usually something plot based, but one thing I think we can all agree on is especially for the main ones, they always narrow character. And I think that's why these movies really survive because 
each character we're presented with, like we get the right casting and it's presented so well that we're invested in it and want to see like how they progress in this larger uh, arc. You really hit the nail on the head with that one because that's absolutely true. Absolutely true, sir. So, uh, so we're going to do two more topics before we get out of here. First is favorite scene. What was your favorite scene in this film? Jake, you go first. Um, I had a lot of trouble because well, I do really like this film a lot. Um, like the I like the action sequences a lot, but I don't really like to choose an action sequence because like that's you know uh I don't know, I guess it's just not I am I it's ironic because I love action movies, but I also uh I love the movie moments in action movies that aren't action a lot. But the, the moment that really stuck with me is and it's a, such a, it's a short scene, but when uh Erskine is talking to Tommy Lee Jones, I know I'm mixing character names and actor names. But I forgot, uh, Chester, it's all Colonel good. Chester. Whatever. Tommy Lee Jones exists yeah. as Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when they're talking, when he's basically like, you're not going to pick Rogers, are you? And he's like, yes, I am. And when he throws the grenade and uh, Steve Rogers jumps on it and when everyone else runs away. Like, it's just a sweet, it's a sweet moment. It's like, it's also just a, it's, it's a, it's a really nice moment because it both serves for the plot to oh we're showing Tommy Lee Jones why he thinks that he should be the new breed of super soldier but also you're also demonstrating to the audience why this is someone you should root for and i like when it when things do that at the same time like it's it's a they they the cheesy way of referring to it is the save the cat moment where like you want to show that your protagonist is a good person um mm-hmm. but this is done in a very earnest way and it's you know it's it's nice to see and uh, it, it makes you smile. And what's the point of uh, watching entertainment if you're not going to smile? Um, well, okay. So I have the exact same scene as Jake, uh, but I'll elaborate on like why that hits it for me, which is going to repeat a lot of Jake's points, really. But um, for the whole movie, like especially the introduction of it, the introduction of Steve Rogers, you're constantly trying to be sold as to why Steve Rogers is that guy, like why he deserves to be Captain America. And I'll be honest, like for a good long time, it's like it feels a little forced. It's like all shucks guy really wants to do the right thing, is like stubborn to like like really a good great character trait and like it's always just like every moment that pre- uh, presents itself it's always like he always does the right thing and you're just kind of like i get it whatever and also like speaking about forest um we never mentioned this so far but like skinny steve rogers that cgi still kind of freaks me out like just separating like <laughs> yeah, it's, a little, it's, yeah. it's it's both well done but at the same time like kind of freaky at times but um anyway so all of this happens and i'll be honest like for a good long time i'm like get it i get it but when the grenade scene happens, like, I'm almost like Tommy Lee Jones. I'm like, okay, no, you got me. This guy is, like, such a good dude. And for whatever reason, like, that's the one that stands out. And I think that's really all you need to validate this whole film. Like, everything that happens after, like, yes, he becomes super strong and everything. But, like, if you want to know, like, what defines Captain America as a character is that scene. And that's, like, it may be the cliche choice. But at the same time, too, it's really the most resonant. That's no, really, really well said, gentlemen. Um, for me, uh, I felt like both the when uh, Captain America is flying the ship into the ice uh, and speaking to Peggy, um, them talking to each other about, you know, and it was and to Jake's point earlier, it was really heartbreaking. 
both talking about a dance that they're never going to have. And um, you could see both characters did a great job of uh, portraying the anguish and uh, sadness as they're as as they're headed to that point. So then, of course, we have that, and and I think it is a nice jump off point to the end scene where, uh, as I alluded to earlier with the with the line of the movie, um, it it just overall like it brought a a very, in a sense, um, positive story. To a very like oh shucks type of type oh, of yeah, end definitely. where you felt where you where you felt bad for Steve because because you know Steve Rogers is he's the he's the good man and he's doing and he's doing the right thing he's the he's the, he, he's the hero without a lot of um without a complexity he's just a straight a straight up good dude and you were rooting for him to get the girl at the end and he just he just doesn't and it just leaves him in a place where he just doesn't what to do with himself so i think just from that standpoint um the way that they that scene was done and of course the end of the movie i thought was tremendous overall so it so it was just overall great and then we think about now that captain america is done the that film is done i remember at the time my thoughts after the movie they play the credits uh where steve rogers in is talking to nick fury and he's uh he's uh He's punching. He's using the punching bag, and he's mm-hmm. talking about uh, another mission. So the next mission is the Avengers. So before we get out of here, um, this is a, this will be a nice little tease for the Avengers pod. Before the Avengers came out, I felt like so excited just going back to the original Iron Man, and. That from that first line at the end of at the end of Iron Man, where we're, where we're talking about the Avengers Initiative and everything that we've built to to this point, um, through the first five films of the MCU to the sixth, and you see the characters and it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna actually do this, and how are they gonna pull this off? It's gonna be so interesting, and just the hype, the anticipation, and everything that I felt at the time, uh, just wanting to see these characters come to life and wanting to see all these characters interact uh, on a grand scale in the movies just made me as a fan just so incredibly excited and pumped up for a movie that would come out, I think, 10 months later from the time that Captain America was released. So if you guys could take me back to where you both uh, were at the time in the lead-up, to the Avengers, were, did you have that same excitement? Uh, what was, what was your first. what was your feelings? I'm gonna yeah, go, go first because I'm gonna be the worst. Because uh, <laughs> before the Avengers, the only ones I had seen was Iron Man One and Iron Man Two. I did not get into the MCU until well after. Uh, I did okay. end up. I did see Avengers uh, for a birthday party because I was, it was a big superhero movie and I thought it was uh, gonna be good. But yeah, I was not super excited. I deeply apologize. Uh, I'm gonna go. Not I'm is, gonna. I'm okay. gonna. That's, I'm gonna slap genius. myself on the wrist while you guys answer. <laughs> go ahead, Jerome. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm definitely in the same boat with you in terms of excitement. I mean. I think anyone who listens to this will know, like, in terms of uh, fandom, Anthony, you are definitely our king and lord. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, gr- I mentioned it earlier. I grew up a lot on watching, like, X-Men, Spider-Man, like, all those Marvel properties. But, I mean, I know that's also been kind of a sore point at the time because those are properties that couldn't exist in the Marvel Universe. Now, uh, that said, 
when this was coming together, I was excited because of all the films that were leading up to it. I yeah. just because they nailed everything, I was just super excited about bringing it together. But I think the thing that like really put me in awe and wonder about it was the scale. Like the same kind of feeling you would have had, I believe, like when you watch um, Lord of the Rings and how Peter Jackson like suddenly created this large war, this believable war. Like I when I was thinking about like how do you take like all these heroes and put them put them together and like make it believable and like something watchable like just trying to understand the logistics of pulling that off was like something that actually got me like so excited to figure out like what's going to happen around it and um i think that more than anything was probably what like got me so hyped going into it just the idea that yeah they're really going to do this they're really going to try to pull this off this is like Miami Big Three. This is like yeah, the yeah. super team, right? Great so, point. yeah, that I think that's the, the potential of it. It, it is made like sense. Really what got me so excited. That metaphor makes sense because I do recall in like press conferences before uh, the movies came out, when asked when Robert Downey Jr. was asked how many like um, bo- box office like hits they're gonna make, I think he said not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. Not seven. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I didn't even know that. That's awesome. Wow, that's a yeah, that's a great point. So, I guess to kind of put a ribbon and bow on it, yeah, the Avengers is next, and yeah. we're looking forward to talking about it. Are we doing this our hat- Oh, that's right. Oh, good point. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so I'm glad. I I forgot. I forgot that last week, and I'm so glad that I'm not the only one to do it. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, I, I thought I, and you know what's funny? I'm so, I'm so into my, uh, in, into my amazing hosting abilities that I thought I, that I had just. It was a great conclusion. Like it's a perfect yeah. lead up to the next one. I'm, I, I almost didn't want you to have to do yeah. the rankings because of that, but yeah. But that, but it's, but it's all good. We can do the rankings. Um, mm-hmm. obviously we've gone through five films. Now. Yeah, we all, I'll we go, had the same. Go, we had this. Let me just want to point out. We all had the same four. Our it was. All of ours were Iron Man, Thor, Iron Man 2, Incredible Hulk. Uh, where does uh, Captain America, uh, the first Avenger, rank for you, Anthony? Okay, I will go Iron Man at first, uh, Thor second, Captain America, the first Avenger third, Iron Man 2 fourth, and the Hulk uh, bringing up the rear. Uh, for me, um, it's the exact same ranking. Basically, Thor and Captain America exist as 2A, 2B. It's not even like a hard 2 and then 3. Um for me, for the first time in this whole thing, we're disagreeing. I'm going Iron Man, I was Captain that. America, Thor, Iron Man Two, Incredible Hulk. In case you guys couldn't, like, I, I, it's, it is like they're very close, but I think it's really just that the type of movie Captain America is is something that yeah, I yeah. like a lot, and Thor is like there. I think I thought I like Thor a little less than you guys did. With no disrespect to Thor, obviously we're gonna disagree. I don't know why I'm qualifying it this much. Uh, I, yeah, it's, it's all good. <laughs> it's not. It's not like I said like oh this movie's trash. No, I just like uh, Captain America a little more. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about Avengers. Uh, we're gonna assemble. Jake, about your ranking, I think if I'm looking at both as films, I probably do rank Captain America as a better film. But I just. Uh, enjoy thor the character for sure more, and that's how, how oh, that uh, yeah. up for me and i that's the, i mean i'm ranking yeah. like how much i enjoy them because i don't exactly like, the uh a, a idea the idea that like really any film is objectively better than another one is a bit silly oh um, no yeah if, of course yeah anyway yeah, anthony yeah. Ra- I, wrap this up if you uh okay. sorry sorry you we couldn't wrap it up the way you were going to now oh uh, it's 
it's all good, man. It's a, anytime we get a couple of extra minutes to chat about these movies, I appreciate it. This <laughs> has been the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. Uh, you can check us out on iTunes. You can check us out on SoundCloud. Uh, my name is Anthony Canton III. Um, I'm on AC Spotlight 95. Uh, Jake Christie, what you working with, sir? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Jake Christie. Uh, listen to my other podcast, Sorted History. Um, it's uh, about bad things celebrities have done in the past. Uh, I think I've done some pretty good episodes recently. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find me. And go get him, Jerome Chang. Where can we where can we see what you do and what you're talking about? Uh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Black Dragon Roll. And as a real final thought about uh, this film, um, in a world where we have to listen to Fergie sing that national anthem, I'm oh, glad God. we have Captain America. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to point out that this episode is probably coming out, like, on Friday, so that reference is a little old, but I appreciate you making it. Yes, exactly. It's very very fresh in my mind right now when we're recording this. Oh, I understand. (laughs) This has been the Marvel Cinematic University Podcast. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care.